All right, now it's time if you could just give a hand for Mr. Rick Harbick. Come on up, Rick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, you do better than that. That's just a golf clap. Yeah, let's shake the house. Yeah. Wow, I appreciate all that applause. I sure hope that uh, you, you feel that way when we're done. <laughs> um, I will say... Uh, I kind of chuckle because I don't know if I'm wearing a suit because I go in and have my surgery on Wednesday. I'm going to get my knee replaced, so maybe this is my last hurrah. I don't know. <laughs> um, otherwise, I, I got a chuckle this morning because I, I guess wearing a suit, I kind of give away that I was <laughs> preaching today, but uh, uh, I really, I, I could hardly stop laughing, but I came in this morning and one guy approached me up and he said are you going for a job interview today <laughs> and I said well I guess I'm interviewing with all of you today <laughs> so anyway um, no uh, I just uh, yeah I'm just honored to be able to you know share the word uh, with you guys I'm probably more grateful for all of you. And, and for all your prayers. So, uh, Anyway, I don't know why. I have a message today that's not emotional, I don't think. So, uh, anyway. Today, I would like to open up our Bibles... And I would like to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And the reason I'm doing 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which just comes out of nowhere, no, but uh, the last two months, I have been reading the book of 1 Thessalonians every day. I, I don't know why the Lord put that on my heart, but I just, I've, just, I've read it every single day because I really want to know what's God saying in this book? And I have read it and read it and read it. Now, as I read, the more I read, the deeper and deeper God's Word is. And there's so much in it. But uh, hopefully today, uh, I still have more to learn in this book. So I will just, hopefully the Lord will use whatever I say to encourage you guys today. And so that's why I'm doing 1 Thessalonians. But I'm going to focus on verses 12 through 22 today. But I'll probably give some overview to 1 Thessalonians just because it helps me understand what he's trying to say in this book. So uh, I'll just go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians 5, and then I'll kind of go back and highlight a few things in 1 Thessalonians, and then we'll get into the heart of what the message I want to share today. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now as to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, 
that that day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very, very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So this morning as we look into these specific verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 12, I just first of all want to mention this. As I've been reading this book every day, um, Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians on his second missionary journey. You can go back into the book of Acts, chapter 17, and you can write, read a little bit about the church at Thessalonica there. Uh, but he wrote this book for a couple reasons. One, to encourage their faith, and the other one was because some of the believers in the church uh, felt like some of them have died and Christ still had not returned. And they had felt like they had missed Christ's return. What about the people who had fallen asleep? Now, I'm going to leave Joe Goodpasture, when he taught us on uh, the end times, uh, I'm not going to teach on that part of the book today, but that's one of the reasons he wrote this book. And you'll go on to verse uh, 2 Thessalonians, and you'll see even some more about that. But if you want to know about end times... Talk to Joe Goodpasture. Uh, I really, that guy studied a lot about what's happening on the coming of the Lord. So I won't talk about that today, but that's one of the reasons he wrote this book. The other one was to encourage the Thessalonians here. Um, one of the things, if you look back in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, um, this was a church here that was already... Uh, 
had had a faith for the Lord, and, and a lot of churches in the area already knew that. It says, Paul says here that he makes mention of them in their prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of their hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So this was a church that had faith in Christ. They were uh, much like us. Uh, their faith was in the Lord. And uh, so why the other instructions here in Thessalonians, especially starting in chapter 5? Well, if you, first of all, they, this church was established amongst much tribulation and much persecution. Um, I'm not sure that the churches today we see, uh, we, we get a whole lot of persecution like we saw at that time, but I do believe someday we will as the world becomes more uh, worldly, I don't know, less, less Christian values, uh, we, we, we will probably have more persecution and tribulation as Christians um, for our faith in Christ. Uh, persecution's goal is always to get you to stop doing what you're doing. You know, uh, I think there's a verse that says, those who desire to live in Timothy, it says, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. It says, will suffer persecution. So persecution is its goal. Persecution's goal is to get you to stop doing what you're doing. And this church uh, became, they come under Christ and the persecution that they received, they received it amongst much tribulation, the word of faith, and uh, under persecution, and yet uh, they didn't give up. They still had their faith in the Lord. Now, Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he's concerned about the church at Thessalonica. So he sends, he really wants to go there, he says in that chapter, but he sends Timothy to find out if their faith was still strong in the Lord. And uh, one of the things that we see in that book is that uh, uh, their faith was, Timothy came back, their faith was still, still there in the Lord and uh, still strong. Um, so, again, in Thessalonians, he checked, in 1 Thessalonians 3, he checks that out. You know, the reason Paul was concerned about them falling away from the faith, I mean, if you read the book of the New Testament, remember the parable of the seeds uh, in Luke chapter 8? It talks about them, some who fell by the wayside uh, through, they accepted the word, and then they, they fell away, and then I think one of them says there in Luke 8, uh, amongst they received it with joy the word of God and then uh, persecution tribulation temptation came and they fall away so Paul was concerned about these Christians if their faith would remain strong and uh, the other corrections I see in first Thessalonians he's correcting the the idea that those who have fallen asleep that Christ they they're not forgotten Christ is coming back and they're going to be with the Lord also the other thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there was some kind of uh, sexual sin going on in the church, or at least recognized there, that Timothy addressed. Uh, I think a brother was with, or had his wife's brother, or, or one of those was uh, 
one of the sins there was the sexual sin um, that he dealt with. The other one is there's a lazy, there must be people in the church that are lazy that don't want to work because he'll address that also in 1 Thessalonians. Um, so when we get to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I do want to read some, a couple verses in 1 Thessalonians 4 because I think it'll tie into what I'm going to say today. Um, and again, I hope that what I share with you will encourage you in your faith, and the Lord will use something in here today to encourage you. Um, but anyway, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm getting there, pushed the wrong. Okay, he says uh, in verse 1, he says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk, and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. Excel still more. Now, if you want to go down to verse uh, 4, go to verse 9, he says, chapter 4, he says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So he's encouraging these, even though they have a walk with the Lord, excel still more. Uh, they have love for people. He acknowledges it. But he asks them to excel still more. So as we as Christians in our faith in God and our walk with Christ, um, we want to. We want to excel still more, and Dean brought it up today, you know, in our relationship with the Lord and the music. Um, we just don't want to have, you know, a Christianity where we're just comfortable and everything's great and, and uh, you know, we live in America and we get our, we'll go to work every day, we get our paycheck, we get to do what we want on the weekends, and our faith in the Lord is just something we, we show up on Sundays and and, uh, you know, say hi to everybody, and then we go live our lives however we want. We want to be Christians who uh, live for the Lord, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called, and we want to be Christians who love uh, even more. And I, we need that love because I'll tell you what, we as uh, people here on earth, or in our flesh have a tendency to, uh, you know, sometimes we let the flesh control some of our thoughts and our, our actions towards people. Uh, but we need love. We need love and we need to excel still more because uh, it's easy to be critical, very easy to be critical of people and their situations, critical of where they're at um, in their life. But if we really love people, we really want to see them, uh, see the best for them. And we'll see some of that here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So now we'll get to the message, the, the part that we're going to study this morning. Um, okay, starting in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. Um, excuse me, here I'll get to that spot. I, I'm on my phone, and so... I don't sometimes get there as fast as you guys do in the Bible, but it says here, 
but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, have charge over you in the Lord, and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So this is instructions for the Thessalonica church here. And I always said this, since I'm a leader of the church, I hate to talk about passages about leaders because I just, you know, I don't. I always said this, if I'm not a leader of the church, then I'd talk about these passages because then I don't feel like I'm saying it because of who, of, of being a leader. But this is God's word, and I did want to remind you a couple things here. It says there's three things he requests here. You appreciate those who diligently labor among you. You esteem them very highly in love. And you live in peace with one another. Um, appreciate, esteem very highly, and live in peace with one another. Um, I can say this uh, in the church. God has, has set uh, leaders in the church uh, elders or overseers, there's deacons that God has set in the church. If you read the qualifications of leaders in the church between deacons and elders, there's two things that, se that separate, that all the qualifications of either of all the men are the same except two things. One about deacons, it says they serve well. Uh, elders, they rule well. Rule well, serve well. Rule well there has the idea of leading. Um, but uh, that's the two uh, leaderships in the church. And, you know, I will say this. I remember at the annual meeting, I really did appreciate this. One gal, uh, a gal mentioned, said, well, how can we pray for you guys? Now, that really... Uh, that was really encouraging to hear. How can we pray for you guys? Um, uh, as you guys know, uh, the Satan, uh, the enemy, loves to attack leaders because if he gets leaders to fall, then uh, you know everybody gets to hear about it, and and it goes around the whole community, and and the Christian, the name of the Lord can is uh, uh, sometimes whatever, maligned or whatever because of that. So prayer for your leaders is very important. And, uh, uh, but appreciate them. And it says, again, to appreciate them, esteem them very highly, and to live in peace with one another. I do want to say this because I do know some of the men that lead you here. Um, I really love these men. I, it's, I actually look forward to getting together with them when we do meet, because it's such an encouraging time. Um, and since it's here, it says, appreciate them, esteem them very highly, and they wouldn't want me to say anything about them anyway, but I will. You know, Kelly, if you don't know Kelly very well, he has such a heart of kindness and compassion. Uh, it just blesses me every time I hear him pray. Uh, he really is compassionate and kind. I mean, that guy... I think, wow, Lord, I wish I was as kind and compassionate as Kelly sometimes, but he really is, and I appreciate that about him. Um, you know, Willie. Willie is another leader in the church. I really appreciate Willie. Willie is a very 
uh, upfront, honest, open guy with you. And you can come up to Willie and he'll be honest with you. And he'll tell you he doesn't uh, live a, a double life. He lives what he is and he loves the Lord. And he really shows it in his walk and he loves his family. Really appreciate that about Willie. Carrie, Carrie is just so full of wisdom in the Lord. I really love his wisdom in the Lord. He's, Carrie sends me texts at 4 in the morning. He gets up every morning at 4 o'clock. And then he gets in his pickup and he prays for all of you every day. Or, you know, he prays a lot. He, he's a man who really does pray a lot and read his word. Uh, Dean, I love Dean. Dean is a guy who just tirelessly labors for the Lord, for the gospel. He, you guys have been here long enough and watched Dean lead your kids, raise your kids. I just love the guy. He's always heart for the Lord. He works in his own business, and he works tirelessly. I think Dean, when he's not working, you know what he's doing? He's doing something for the Lord, uh, either down at the Eugene Mission. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he finds all the time and effort for it, but I know it's because he loves the Lord. And, of course, Dick, you know Dick's gifts of preaching and teaching. You know, one thing I love about Dick that some of you don't know, I've known Dick since he first came here, he loves all of you guys the same. He never has favoritism. I just love that about Dick. That's hard for pastors, I'm sure. Maybe he has favorites, but you won't know him. He treats everybody the same and with the same kind of love and his teaching for the Lord. So now I talked about the leaders I do know, and I appreciated them, and I esteemed them very highly. So, uh, But anyway, the most important thing about our leaders is we want them to be leaders who really love the Lord and are an example for all of us. Uh, one thing here in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, there's three things these leaders do. They, they diligently labor, they have charge over you, and they give you instruction. Um, and uh, that is what they, what the, this verse says that they do. Uh, you know, I think there's a First Peter chapter five verse three. It says uh, something about um, they're not to lord it over those allotted to their charge. Uh, and so the men who lead really ought to be an example of Christ. You know, Christ came, he says, and he came to serve. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And so leaders really should be servants, or really start with the heart of a servant. So anyway, the scriptures tell us for this reason in 1 Thessalonians to esteem them very highly. And then here's that live in peace with one another. Wow, the Bible's so full of the word peace. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 14 says, uh, Let us pursue the things that, that make for peace and the building up of one another. Um, why do we need peace in the church? Because we have a human nature sometimes that is uh, at, if we could, I don't know, at war. Peace is the opposite of war. I don't know, if I look at the politicians and I look at the, watch all of that stuff, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any peace in that, that, that arena. 
And that sure should not look anything like the church. We ought to be at peace with one another. Um, All right. Uh, I'll move on from there, and I'll move on to the next set of commands. It says here, we, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Wow. So there's four commands here directed to one another. They are admonish, encourage, help, and be patient to, with one another. Those are all things that uh, Paul is encouraging Thessalonica and church here. And again, these are to one another. Uh, the first one here is admonish. Admonish the unruly. That word admonish uh, is a deep word, it, but it does mean to warn, instruct, warn, or literally to put into mind. And uh, here in the Thessalonica church, there seemed to be people in the church that were Christians that were being lazy. And that word unruly there means undisciplined. And uh, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'll read this, and I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation because I think it'll make a little more sense. Uh, It's the same thing. But it says here uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Okay? He's warning those people that, hey, you guys need to work and not be lazy. You know what? I... You guys have seen this in your own life, but when you see people that are that say they're Christians and you're at work and they're lazy and they don't do much and they're looking for ways to get out of work all the time, I'm telling you that testimony, when you want to talk about the Lord Christ and you have that kind of a lifestyle, your effectiveness in preaching about Christ is not very strong. And I can attest to that because I've been around, worked around that before. It just doesn't set a very good example to unbelievers to see us uh, lazy. And uh, so he's addressing that in the church. He addresses it here in 1 Thessalonians. He even addresses it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He reviews, uh, says the same thing here in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 11. Actually, he starts in verse 6. He says, Now, dear brother and sisters, you, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. And I won't go into that at this point. For you know that you ought to imitate us. The Apostle Paul said, We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so you would not be so we would not be a burden to any of you he said we had the right to ask for for you to feed us 
but we wanted you to give you an example to follow. So even while we're with you, we gave you this command, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. And then he says, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their living. So I guess in the church there, there were people that didn't, that were idle, that didn't really want to work, and Paul's just sharing with them that testimony to the rest of the world uh, doesn't look, I mean, you, your effectiveness for Christ with that kind of an attitude isn't good. So God tells us if you don't work, then you don't eat. So he says admonish those people. Uh, that, again, that word admonish has a lot in it. But uh, uh, again, that's, I mean, you look up that word admonish in Acts chapter 20, verse 31. Paul says he, he uh with tears admonishing day and night uh, about the, you know, watching out for false prophets, watching out for uh, people who uh, will come in and teach something other than Christ. Um, I do want to give you guys one example, though, of admonition. Admonition is more than just telling somebody, hey, you're doing something wrong. It has the goal of instructing them with the idea of them turning and listening to the scriptures and 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 doing the right thing there's an example in the scriptures i want to turn to is in first samuel chapter 2 verse 24 Uh, Eli the prophet had two sons, or priest, I'm sorry, had two sons. Does anyone remember uh, what those two sons did? Because we'll read it here. But there were two, he had two evil sons, Eli did. In 1 Samuel 2, 24, he, he said, uh, is it 2, 24? I'm going to look if I got the right one here. Oh, I'm in three. That's why I don't have a. It didn't have a verse 24 in chapter 3. So, uh, well, I'm getting there, you guys. All right. First Tamil 2, 24. Eli's sons were, were evil, and he says here, I did, I hit three again. Do you, anyone want to read that, why they have it? If they want to, you can go ahead, but. Otherwise, I'll get it here. 2.24. That was Eli uh, uh, letting his sons know he's heard about this evil that they've been doing. Know what they've been doing. They've been standing at the entrance to the... um, tabernacle and they've actually been uh, having sexual relations with women that's how evil they were Um, and anyway all Eli did there was acknowledge that they were doing something wrong but when we turn over to uh, just the next chapter there first Samuel chapter 3 and we'll see that Lord rebukes Eli or for uh, 
in verse 13, he says, uh, actually, I'll start in 12. He says, in that day, I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the sin which he knew. This is the sin he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. He knew about it. He knew it was wrong, but he didn't rebuke them. And when I look this up in the Greek or Hebrew, this word has a continual uh, meaning to it, meaning that it wasn't just a one-time action. It's something that Eli knew about, but he didn't do anything about it. He didn't instruct his sons. He didn't rebuke them. Uh, and so, again, uh, admonition is sometimes more than just saying something. It's continuing an action of encouraging uh, and trying to uh, instruct people, let them know about the Lord. Now, that's a difficult thing, I know. We need to do speak the truth in love. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say. Uh, but if you do it in love, I know with your own kids, think about your own kids and them growing up. Same way. I loved my kids enough that I told them when they were doing something wrong. If they didn't like it, I was still there to instruct them and let them know. I even, you know, I think Kyle's here this morning. I think I spanked Kyle a couple times. I, I think I spanked Crystal the most, and <laughs> my youngest one only got it one time. So I don't know how that happens, but uh, anyway. Uh, it, admonition, that's something the Lord instructs us to do. I think Colossians chapter 3 says uh, uh, we're to... S Admonish one another. And so take admonishment as uh, from the Lord. And uh, again, singing psalms and spiritual songs. And that Colossians chapter 3. Um, okay, back to 1 Thessalonians 5. And we'll continue there. Uh, man, I am, I've got to, I don't want to keep, I'm not going to keep you guys very late, so. Got very far. So the second command there in that First Thessalonians chapter five twelve, it says uh, that we are. Excuse me, fourteen. Encourage the faint-hearted. To encourage the faint-hearted, those that are that uh, it faint that faint-hearted. You probably heard that that hike or that that. Uh, that climb or that hike is not for the faint of heart. You guys have probably heard that comment. Um, in other words, that's a tough, tough, tough thing you're going to be going through. And it's not for those who are, you know, might get discouraged. But here God says we're to encourage those type of people. Encourage the faint hearted. Those who would be uh, discouraged about maybe problems in their life things that are hard for them to overcome, we're to encourage them. That's what God tells us to do. That's why we need to love one another and excel in our love for each other um, because it gets hard to do that. Here he says, help the weak, those that are weak, 
Um, it's a, actually the word is opposite of strength. It's it's the weak, and I. The Bible has a lot to say about weak, uh, but uh, you know I think First Corinthians chapter eight talks about the weaker brother, um, but here it says we're to help the weak, those that are just have no strength to go on, maybe face again facing difficult circumstances in their life, and then. I think be patient with everyone kind of ties that all in. We need to have patience with everybody, especially those when we're help encouraging the faint-hearted and helping the weak. They, those type of, uh, you guys have maybe experienced that in your life when you felt weak, maybe felt faint of heart, and somebody came along and encouraged you. Um, we need that in, in the body of Christ. That, that's part of what God wants us to do. Uh, being patient with everyone, that word there, patient, is long-suffering. I know Dick, this is, this is what I love about Dick, because Dick has taught me this through the scriptures, and I see it in the scriptures. This word here, patient, is long-suffering. And this is opposite. You see the two patient in the Bible. There's a patient that has an endurance for trials and hardships. This word patient is long-suffering, which is an attribute of God. God does not have the other patience of the endure trials because God never has to endure trials. Um, but he, God is long-suffering with all of us. I think 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the things in love, says love is patient or love is long-suffering. God calls us to be long-suffering towards people, to one another. Um, here, I think verse 15 ties into this patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek, always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Um, boy, it's hard not to be, repay someone evil for evil. Um, if they've wronged you, you want to get back at them. I have to practice it. Well, my wife doesn't do me any wrong. I guess I shouldn't say that. She's, she's usually right. I'm usually wrong. Um, but I'll admit, sometimes in my flesh, I just, you know, she said something that really bothered me, and I'm not going to, you know, I, have to, I don't want to let her get away with it. How about that sometimes? But, but uh, God says here we're not to repay uh, no, see to it that no one repays another with evil for evil. It's kind of interesting here that he says, see that no one repays another evil for evil. It's almost like the whole church is involved in that process. If someone's, if someone's, you see someone get, trying to get back at somebody, it almost looks like here, see to it that no one repays uh, evil for evil. You guys know Romans chapter 12. It says, what, what do we do when, with our enemies? We do good to them. If our, if our enemy is hungry, feed him. Uh, and so that's the practice. And we need, to, we need that in the body of Christ. Um, the other thing is here, he says in the second half, seek after that which is good for one another. Not only for one another, but for all people. That covers everybody. Not only is it for one another, for all people. Seek. 
Seek is to pursue, to actively go after. So God tells us he wants us to seek after that which is good for one another and all people. Um, Sometimes that's hard, isn't it? That's hard to do with some people. Uh, They've wronged you. They continue to wrong you. They continually... It's, it's hard sometimes to do that. That's where we need God's strength. And that's where we need to submit to him, ask him for, to, and pray. I, someone shared that one time. I think the easiest way sometimes for God to break your heart towards that kind of an attitude is to start praying for him. Start praying for him every day and, uh, and mean it for their good good for one another and for all people. Um, That's what God wants us to do. Okay, and then there's a second, the next commands, there's three commands here in the next set that I all tie together. This is the will of God, uh, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, these three commands. To rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Wow. Uh, is that always easy to do? In Christ, we can do that. But that is, we are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Um, you know, I think in Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I realize that you guys go through hurts, You know, my brother Larry, and you guys know he's going through cancer. Uh, But I do have joy, and I have joy because I know God, and I know who he is, and God's in control. God is in control. You know, my Uncle York passed away this last week, and I did the funeral for him on Friday. But, you know, how can you rejoice? How How could I rejoice that he was gone Patricia and his Jeanette and Yorkie were sitting in the front row when I was teaching and they were sobbing and they were crying. They were hurt. Their dad was gone. They weren't going to see him again. But inside, those of us that know the Lord, we know where he is. York's in the presence of the Lord. That brings great joy. But you know, our joy is found in what God says and what God says he will do. And God tells us to rejoice always, not just sometimes. The command here is to be continual in our rejoicing. And, you know, I've said this before. Debbie's teaching on Wednesdays on Bible study, and I just, the promises of God. And I'm telling you, it goes clear back to Abraham, and they're all scattered through the New Testament, and it's just awesome. Those are encouraging Those are so encouraging, the promises of God, knowing that God will never forsake me nor leave me. God will never forsake us nor leave us. That he has a promise for us that we will be with him 
again someday forever that I'm an heir of Christ. And, uh, you know, I think our joy really has a deep root in knowing who God is and what he can do for us and what he's done for us, what he really has done for us. So he says to rejoice always. He says to pray without ceasing. Man, alive, that means i got to pray every second of my life. Every No, I think it's just a God-conscious awareness of God in my life every day. As I go through life and I'm at work, I'm driving to work, I, of course I, I pray on my way to work every day. Something comes up in my life, I bring it before the Lord. Someone brings into my mind someone, God brings into my mind someone to pray for. I pray for them. It's a constant, everyday part of my life thing to pray, pray without ceasing. Um, in everything, give thanks. Can you thank God in everything that he does for you? All you have to do is, I mean, I read the Ephesians chapter 1 or 1 Peter chapter 1, and I see all these great things God's done for me. We have much to be thankful for, but God tells us to be in everything, give thanks. Everything, give thanks. Even through hard situations, because we know those hard situations, God is there to build our character and show us more of who he's like and be there to show us who he is. So, you know, I'm encouraged that uh, God tells us to be thankful. And this is God's will for you. It is God's will for you to be thankful. Um, Those three things, rejoice, be thankful. All right, now I'm going to, I know I'm, I have so much on all of this stuff. I have so many verses to, that I could share with you guys, but I, for the sake of time, I won't go into all that. But uh, the last few verses here, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from every form of evil. There's five commands here, two are negative, Three are positive. Um, quenching the Holy Spirit. I know we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, it says here, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Um, that word quench kind of has the idea that it's moving and we stop it. Uh, I think sin is one of the big factors of quenching the Holy Spirit. Sin in our lives. Um, I think here these five verses are related uh, to the church as a whole, but they all can be also be to individuals. Um, we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to despise prophetic utterances. What does that mean? I, that's teachings of God, people that are that are teaching the word of God. I think we we should listen uh, and not despise it. But there's also verse 21, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Uh, Verse in Timothy says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what God tells us to do. So everything that's spoken, and I love Dick. Dick will tell you, open your Bible and look and see if what Dick's saying is true. I mean, that's what we should be doing. You know, the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, 
they as Paul was teaching, they were opening up and examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So the test to teachings, uh, we don't want to despise teachings that God gives, but we want, to te- we want to look at them and test and examine them. And we have to examine them by the word of God. And uh, God says, hold fast to that which is good. So what is good from that teaching? Hold fast to it. Learn it. Take it. And, uh, and, and serve the Lord with it. And then uh, abstain from every form of evil. Now, this verse here, I don't know if you remember the King James Version. Maybe some of you have it. It says abstain from every appearance of evil. But I think this translation here, every form of evil, is, is, is correct. And I say that because a lot of people have mistranslated that verse, abstain from every appearance of evil. Uh, so that if I think that, so if I go dancing one day and some of you see me there, you think that maybe I have, uh, that I'm in an evil situation. Uh, appearance of evil. So what's appearance to evil for one person may not be for another. I think here he says abstain from every form of evil, that which is known to be evil from the word of God. From the word of God. Um, So I am out of time, but I, I tell you there's a lot in here. But anyway, I just hope this morning that something in there encourages you. The biggest thing here is that one another commands. I just know in my flesh, it's easy for me to be critical of other people sometimes, even critical of my leaders, um, critical of, you know, what's wrong with that person? Why can't they get through that problem? All they got to do is do this, you know. Uh, and God says he wants us, you know, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everybody. Um, we could all... Use the Lord's help and all of that. So anyway, uh, that's what I have this morning. And I'm just going to actually, Dean, the music is gone. So I am going to close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that you love us and uh, you care about us. We just ask, God, that you would just help us to be a real light to this community for you by loving each other and walking in a manner worthy of the calling which we've been called. Thank you again, Lord, and just bless the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed.